Good morning, church family. We welcome you to our iCampus worship time this morning. And we're glad that you're joining us today for worship from First Baptist Melbourne. Let's hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 24 as we begin our time of praise. It says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not set his mind on what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Rise up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Rise up, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is this King of glory. Oh, let's worship the King of kings this morning. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. Shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor, and 
We have gathered to worship the King today, truly to come into His presence and give Him praise. We welcome you for joining us online today as we come to worship. Uh, we were not quite expecting to be back online together today in this format, but thank the Lord for the ability to do so, and we welcome you today. Uh, this may even give an opportunity for some who would not normally be a part of our church to be here and to join us in worship, so we thank you for joining us. Uh, but if you're new to our church, new to our area, we would love to get to know you. Uh, we do have a connection card that you can go online. Uh, we would love to help you find a small group, maybe just more information about our church or some of our ministries to be connected there. So if you would take a moment uh, to, to do that at the end of our service today, and we'd love to connect with you. Well, obviously today we can't uh, wave to each other. We can't do a fist bump, an elbow, or anything. But uh, there was a greeting when uh, Nancy and I were in South Asia that when the Christians came together to see each other, uh, they would greet each other with the greeting, praise the Lord. So if you were there with someone this morning, or even if it's just you and the Lord, uh, say, praise the Lord. And we know that we are gathered to do that. Today also, uh, Pastor Scott is on vacation. He was scheduled to be on vacation. He has preached all week for our students at a youth camp. So we're delighted to have Aaron Steele, the director of our Launchpad Ministry, who coordinates our church planning effort and who leads our young adults. So be in prayer for Aaron and be receptive to the word he'll share with us this morning. All right, as you're saying, praise the Lord to one another in your living room or wherever you are. Let's continue to praise that King of Kings. He is the only King forever, and we worship his name. Would you sing with us? Our God and firm foundation, our rock and only solid ground, the nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong now shaken, we trust forever in your name, the name of Jesus. We trust the name. Almighty God, we lift you higher. 
are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. This morning, I want to take an opportunity to share with you about our Disciple Making Summit. Uh, this will be on Saturday morning, August the 22nd. Our theme this year is called Reaching Your One, uh, Always Being Prepared. And we started the year by asking you to identify one person. Who's your one? Who is that one person that you know who does not know Jesus, who needs to come to Christ for salvation? And we even put some dots on a board in our hallway, and we've been tracking whether we've had gospel conversations or seeing people come to know the Lord, and some have. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we've been hearing in Pastor Scott's sermon series about bold witnesses in the book of Acts, uh, like Peter and John and Stephen. So this summit is an opportunity for us to, to better equip ourselves and to be prepared to be more effective witnesses. At the summit, we'll actually have nine breakout sessions, and you can choose three of those. And it's on like relational evangelism, uh, telling your story, uh, the three circles presentation. We have three topics on apologetics, how to defend the gospel. Uh, we have a, a, a session on engaging evangelism, uh, sharing the gospel with your children or grandchildren, and then gospel-centered hospitality. So there's a lot of opportunity to learn to be a more effective witness uh, for the Lord. Uh, it will be on Saturday morning, August the 22nd. We do need you to go online uh, to look under fbcmail.info under coming up and to register. You can pre-select your breakout sessions, and that'll help us prepare for social distancing on that time. So pray for the summit and take part, and uh, let's pray for our one. Let's go ahead, though, right now and take a moment to pray for our ones. Let's pray together this morning. <clears throat> Father God, as we come into your presence today, we know, Lord, that you desire that none perish. Father, that none go into eternity without knowing you and having the opportunity, God, to receive your love and grace. Father, we know you sent Jesus to be the Savior, Lord, to take our sin upon himself. Lord, to do what we cannot do to come to life. Father, first of all, today I'd like to pray for myself and pray for us as a church. Lord, give us your desire. Lord, give us your love. Father, create within us a urgency to share. Lord, thank you for those who share with us. And Lord, you've placed these people in our path that we know. And God, we pray for the boldness, Lord, to just uh, let your spirit lead God and direct them to come to know Christ. Father, we do pray for this time of training, Lord, that we would truly equip ourselves, Father, to be a better witness. Uh, Father, we pray this morning for our one, or the person you've laid upon our heart, maybe more than one. Lord, you know exactly where they are, what their need is. Father, we pray that they would be willing to hear. Lord, help us to love them, to share with them. Father, we pray for your spirit, Lord, to, to bring conviction. Lord, create within them a desire, a hunger, a thirst, a concern, a need. Maybe it's this pandemic. Maybe it's the storms of life, uh, the uncertainty of the future. Uh, Father, help them to know who you are. 
Lord, your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, Lord, I'm, help us to have faith to share. God, help them to come to repentance and faith, to come to life in you. Father, we know that you are at work more than we are. But, for, but Lord, open our eyes and give us the opportunities. And, Lord, today we want to, to praise your name and we want our friends or those who need to know you, Father, to praise you for eternity with us. So, Lord, again, work for salvation. May you lift up the name of Christ. May we be the light that you shine and point others to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, when the service was planned and we began praying about what to sing this week, little did we know that we would all be online today awaiting the fury of a storm, but God holds us in the palm of his hand and keeps us in all things. Christ, our sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm, when the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn in the suffering, in the sorrow, when my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Christ the sure and steady I will. 
Christ the sure and steady anchor as we face the wave of death. When these trials give way to glory as we draw our final breath, we will cross that great horizon, clouds behind and life secure. God, we just thank you for all that you are, all that you've done. We thank you for taking, I thank you for taking me, a rebel, running from you, pouring your grace upon me, giving me a purpose, giving me a future and a hope. God, I just pray for all those being affected by the storm, especially the most vulnerable, who can, um, who have the least amount of protection. God, we just pray that you'd give us opportunities to serve. We pray that you would keep them safe during this time. God, open up your word, spirit, just bring conviction, bring repentance, bring action as a result of hearing your words. We just pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm excited to be with you this morning. My name is Aaron, and I'm the, uh, the Launchpad Director here. Um, I also uh, work with VR Young Adults, and, and you, last week you saw me, saw me and uh, Pastor Scott on the, uh, the iCampus Countdown, and we'll have that next week, and uh, excited to bring that to you. But now everybody's on the iCampus, so welcome to the iCampus. You're officially in. And so um, this morning, uh, I am the kind of person who tends to forget their keys everywhere. I, I'm, I'm going to confess right now, I have actually locked my keys in my car while it was running on the interstate. So I'm that guy, I tend to be forgetful with some of those things. And, and, and I'll ask you a question, what is, what is the one thing that you have to have when you leave the house? Like, like it's right on that table, right by your front door, it's right on that hook, you have to have it before you leave the house. Is it, is it your phone, your keys? I don't know. If you forget it at home and you go out, you feel like you've left your leg or your arm. It's something you just have to bring with you everywhere you go. Uh, and I think in the mid-70s, American Express came up with the slogan, don't leave home without it, right? They're talking about their traveler's checks and then their credit card. And Do you have something in your life that's... that's in that category, that don't leave home without it. If you don't, today I'll give you something. Today, there's something that we all don't need to leave home without. 
And it's in, we're going to find it in Acts chapter 8. And so last week, Pastor Scott preached about the terror that was the martyrdom of Stephen. Uh, we, we, he talked about the characteristics Stephen had. He talked about Jesus standing to receive, receive Stephen. And it was truly amazing. And what, maybe what's even more amazing than the scene that we saw last week is the spreading of the gospel that happened because of those events. The gospel spreads like wildfire, and we get to see that this morning in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Read along with me. Now Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they, the church, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded these things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. After reading that, the question I have for you this morning is, what do you bring with you everywhere you go? I'm not talking about your phone, your purse, your wallet, your keys. What attitudes do you bring with you? What dispositions? What intentions? When you go to work, the store, the ball field, back home, you're bringing something with you. My question is, what are you bringing? And there's so many things that you can bring, but the first thing that we see that you can bring this morning in Acts chapter 8 is you can bring destruction. I want to read verses 1 through 3 again. At that time, a great persecution arose in the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. Theologian I. Howard Marshall says this, the successful attack on Stephen was the signal for a wider attack on the church in Jerusalem. What we read in verse 1 is the overview of what happens next in the book of Acts. And if we've been reading Acts from the beginning, there, there's a phrase here that should just stick in our mind. It says, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And what happened there is this is a fulfillment of what Jesus said all the way back in chapter 1, Acts 1 chapter 8. He tells his, his disciples that they will, will receive power when the Spirit comes and that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the ends of the earth. And what we see now is the church going to Judea and Samaria just as Jesus said. But the cause, the why they're going, wasn't what we expected. The why was because of the violence and the persecution that it was being rained down first on Stephen and now on the church. Pastor Kent Hughes describes it this way. He says, following the church through Acts is like following a wounded deer through the forest. Drops of blood mark the trail. And that is very true in what we see here 
in the church. The per- but the persecution had been slowly building in Acts. Uh, Pastor James Polhill, theologian, he noted that in Acts 4.21, a warning was given to stop preaching. In Acts 5.40, a flogging was delivered. And then in Acts 7, what we talked about last week, an execution was administered. So the church is being scattered, except for those brave souls that, that decided to bury Stephen at great cost, reminding us of, of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea burying Christ but what, not only does the church scatter, but Saul scatters as well and is responsible for much of the blood found along the trail of the church. Saul was instrumental in his persecution of the church. And he recounts this experience later in Acts. In Acts 22, 4 through 5, this is Paul, Saul's own words. He says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters with the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. What did Saul bring with him? He brought destruction everywhere that he went. He scattered throughout all of Judea, delivering men and women to prison and even to death. He was an agent of destruction. And can I just be real for a second? When, 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 when we think about this, when I think about the example of Saul here, it's easy to put him in a different category. Well, that's Saul. Look at what he's doing. I don't do, I'm not anywhere near that guy. And I think sometimes we use comparison to make ourselves feel better about who we are. But when we use comparison, we don't compare ourselves to people like us. We compare ourselves to people a lot, who we think are a lot worse than us. So compared to that guy, I'm, I'm great, right? And there, there's something dishonest about us. And one of the things with this coronavirus and the isolation and everything, it has brought out the absolute worst in us. Um, and so some of our social media feeds and the way we communicate with each other are full of destruction. We endlessly criticize people we disagree with. We're needlessly petty over things that don't matter. We harbor grudges and turn people in different tribes into enemies. We leave behind drama after drama, broken relationship after broken relationship. I'm guilty of this as well. And if I look back in my life, there are times when I've brought destruction everywhere I go. And I've needed to be forgiven for that. And just consider the legacies of Stephen and Saul, these two characters that we're talking about. Both were bold. Both believed they were right. Saul rounded up people and put them into prison where Stephen prayed grace over his enemies and forgiveness. Let, let me lighten up the mood a little bit. Let me, let me show you another guy who brings stuff everywhere he goes. This is, this is Pigpen. I love peanuts. And if you know this character, uh, Pigpen, he's just a dirty kid, right? <laughs> he, uh, he brings a dust cloud everywhere he goes. You cannot, the characters cannot be around Pigpen and, and, and not get dust on them. If they're clean and Pigpen comes around, they're dirty. If they shake his hand, their hand is dirty. If Pigpen touches something, it's dirty. But that's exactly how sin is. And that's exactly how every single one of us were before Christ, bringing dirt and destruction everywhere we go. What do you bring with you 
everywhere you go. Saul brought destruction, but we don't have to do that. We can bring something else. Next, we're going to see that we can bring the gospel. Let me read verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. The church was scattered, but not silent. As persecution spread, the church spread, and when they spread, they brought the gospel with them. And this is the key verse of this passage this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, underline it, circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. This is such an important verse. Now those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, The message puts this beautifully. I want to read this real quick. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they were, they were scattered, they preached the message about Jesus. That's a beautiful picture of what happened. But almost more important than who went was who didn't go. Back in verse 1, it says that they were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So the people that are scattering are, ju- are church members. What we, this is one of the great movements in the history of the church. It's a, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy Jesus gave in the first chapter, and it's being carried out by ordinary Christians, not the apostles. And I cannot overstate how important that fact is. The power of the movement is in ordinary Christians. The spread of the gospel is not dependent on apostles or professional pastors. It is dependent on the Holy Spirit and the people who allow him to work through them. These Christians had been saved, had been taught about Jesus by the apostles, and now by necessity sent out over the country. And as they went, they brought the gospel with them. Pastor J.D. Greer says, ordinary believers have always been the tip of the gospel spear. And what we need to understand from Scripture is that we today are scattered wherever we go to proclaim the gospel. Christian listening, watching this right now, everywhere you go, you can and should bring the gospel with you in word and in action. I want to share just a kind of a helpful way to think about mission uh, as we talk about mission. Here's a scale. You see there's M0, 1, 2, 3, 4. If we think of these numbers, I want, uh, th- this is a theologian, Alan Hirsch, had this scale. And if we think of each one of these numbers, we think of them as a significant cultural barrier to understanding the gospel. To, to, to meaningfully interacting with the gospel. So these barriers can be a bunch of things. They could be um, a, a culture, a history, um, a tradition, a particular worldview. So to kind of explain a little further, so if you have that, that, that barrier from M0 to M1 moving over there, the, the, that would be like somebody who has an understanding of Christianity, a similar culture that we have, similar, similar to what we see here, but the further you get away from zero, like to two, to three, and 
and even to four, these are people that have no idea about the gospel. These are people that, 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 that are maybe antagonistic towards the gospel of a different culture, a different race. And it's, it, it's just a helpful way to just think about the people that we're around. The further away you get from zero, the less receptive you are to hearing the gospel and the more barriers you have to cross in that. Now look at this scale. This is a picture of where the church typically stands. We, we tend to hang out in the zero and one, and, that, and that's, that's not a bad thing. Praise God that we were able to reach the people in that area. But what you see is the further out you go, the less impact the church has, the less likely someone is to just either even turn, it on, on, turn on a service online, to come through the door of a church. And so the expectation for us can't be that those in M2, M3, and 4, they come and they become the missionary and come to us. No, no. It's our job to cross cultural barriers and go to them. Everywhere we go, we bring the gospel. And let me illustrate how we believe this at First Baptist here. We believe our primary mission here at this church is to make disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. And in Acts, the natural outflow of these scattered believers was to share the gospel everywhere they go. And we believe here at First Baptist that the natural outflow of a church who makes disciples will be to plant new churches here and everywhere. And that's why we developed Launchpad. That's the whole purpose behind this, to equip our church to make disciples in new contexts, to equip church leaders to lead churches that will multiply churches. That's what we want to do. We've, we've created a discipleship pathway, this, this wheel that goes around, that starts with training and training leaders and then launching out and then immediately going back around to getting people involved in this. We want if you're watching this right now and you just don't know how you connect with this, we want every believer is a disciple maker everywhere that we go. And that's the only way that we can plant 10 churches in 10 years, which is our, our, our God-sized goal. Uh, theologian I. Howard Marshall said, it was a natural thing for wandering Christians to spread the gospel. And here at First Baptist, we want it to be a natural thing for every one of us to make disciples, and a natural thing for our church to plant churches. So let me ask you again, what do you bring with you wherever you go? We saw Saul bringing destruction. We've seen scattered Christians bringing the gospel. Next, we see that you can bring joy with you wherever you go. Let me read verse 5 to 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I, I want to I tell you a little bit about the, the, the city where he, he, Philip was at. He was in Samaria, and I want to tell you a little bit about the Samaritans. So just church history hat here for a second in a in 930 BC, Israel was one kingdom and it split into two, a northern and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, about 200 years later in 722, um, named Israel, was taken over by Assyria. And the people of, of, of Israel, after they were taken over, intermarried with their captors. 
Um, about 150 years later or so, in, in 587, the southern kingdom named Judah was taken over by Babylon, and the people of Judah did not intermarry with their captors. And so when they returned to the land after a lengthy captivity, the Judeans, the southern kingdom, they saw themselves as superior to the north because they had stayed pure and they hadn't intermarried. And so they saw those northern kingdom people as half-breeds or, or some other pejorative, horrible term. And these were the Samaritans. They were Jewish, but not really. And Philip goes and shares the gospel with these people. What you see is the gospel being shared in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria is a restoration of, the, of, of Israel and what's going on. And Philip is proclaiming this message. What we see is this big picture of the church scattering, and now we focus in on Philip. Now, Philip was first mentioned a couple chapters earlier in uh, Acts 6, 5, along with Stephen as a man full of the Spirit and wisdom, and he helped the apostles handle the distribution of food to the Hellenistic widows, and, and Philip was, was a Greek-speaking Christian as well. After Stephen was killed, Philip was one of the Christians who scattered. And here I've got a map of his journey. As you can see, Jerusalem kind of in the middle where you've got that double arrow going up. He left and went north. He had to get out of Jerusalem and he goes to Samaria where this event is taking place. Later in this chapter, we're going to read that he goes down south and travels a desert road and goes and shares the gospel with someone else, um, uh, an Ethiopian um, who has an incredible story in his history of, uh, of, the, the, of Philip sharing the gospel with him resounds through history. And you'll hear that in a few weeks. But one important thing to note is Philip wasn't just running from persecution. He was looking for opportunities to share the gospel as he was running. And the Spirit was dramatically with Philip. I mean, dramatically present. The crowds, one, paid attention to him, which is evidence of the Spirit. He goes to Samaria, and it says they were captivated. They, 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 they listened with one accord, heeded the things Philip spoke. People were healed. Unclean spirits were driven out. And as a result of the Spirit being dramatically present with him, Philip brought much joy to the city. The gospel changed lives, but there, it was also powerful enough to bring joy to an entire city. Think about that for a second. When we think of evangelism, we, also, we, we think of personal evangelism, each one of us sharing the gospel as we go, and we see that here in this story. And when we tend to think of lives being changed, we tend to think that of that on an individual level, lives being changed life to life. But what we see here in this account is 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 bigger than even life to life. It's an entire city changing. We see an ordinary believer, a non-apostle, filled with the Spirit, sharing the gospel after fleeing persecution, and the entire city is filled with joy. Church, it's our job to fill Melbourne, Florida with great joy. And filling the city with joy means being present, being intentional, being incarnational. That, that's the message of Christmas. I know it doesn't feel like Christmas right now, but the thing we celebrate about Christmas is Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth and dwelling among us. In Luke 2, chapter 10, this, this proclamation by the angel. So the angel said to them, Fear not, for I 
For behold, I bring you news of great joy that will be for all the people. Jesus' coming was a message of joy for all people. And we, as a church, need to deliver that message of joy to our city, to Melbourne, to Palm Bay, wherever you, wherever you're watching, I know we got people watching from Indiana and Puerto Rico. You, if you Christian in those places, you are an agent of joy to your city. Doesn't feel like Christmas right now, but we can be incarnational right where we live. Here's an example of this. In 1850 in London, Charles Spurgeon's church or Metropolitan Tabernacle faced a unique situation. The Industrial Revolution had come in the city of London dramatically changed. Overnight, people flocked to the city, and, and people had jobs, and, and it just changed the entire dynamic of the, of the city. And with the new people coming into the city, city there was a spike in exploitation, despair, um, divorce, death, orphans, widows. It was a city on the brink. And here's what happens. This is recounted in a book called For the City by a couple pastors, uh, a couple church planners. They write, the city was in crisis. The leaders didn't know what to do. They saw the mountain of needs that confronted them from every angle. In 1950s, a lot of London churches did what a lot of American churches have done during the last 30 years. They fled the cities. These churches moved their locations to the outskirts of London, but Metropolitan Tabernacle, pastored by Charles Spurgeon, decided, we're not gonna do that. We are going to stay here we see this as an opportunity for the gospel. Metropolitan Tabernacle looked at the needs of the people in the city and began to engage in helping them with their problems. They started schools, almshouses for people who lost their jobs, created homes for the elderly, and helped single mothers whose husbands had left. They helped people find employment. In the midst of all this, Spurgeon faithfully preached the gospel and countless lives were changed, and joy was brought to the city. So in Acts 8, we've read, those who scattered brought the good news with them. What do you bring with you everywhere you go? The only way to bring the gospel and joy with you everywhere you go is to follow Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life free of any sin. He died in your place for your sin he took the punishment you deserve and put it on his own body, went to the cross, died, but three days later he arose from the grave and now calls each and every one of us to faith in him. He asked us to turn away from our sin and turn and follow him. And if you reject that gift of salvation, you could bring destruction with you everywhere you go. Are you like Pigpen, bringing a cloud of dust with you? Are you like Saul, bringing violence, divisiveness, and bitterness with you everywhere you go? If you've been divisive, rebellious, bitter, destructive, you can repent today. To repent means to turn away from something and turn to something else. If you've been bringing destruction, turn from that. Ask Jesus for help. He will help you turn away from the destruction that you've been bringing and turn to him and bring life, bring hope, bring joy. Confess that you've hurt other people. 
Confess that to God and ask him to forgive you, and he promises to forgive you. These aren't my words. These are his words. 1 John 1, 9 and other places, he said he will forgive you. If you call on his name, you will be saved. Turn to him in faith. Start a new life in him. If you're watching right now and you're tired of bringing destruction and pain with you everywhere you go, type believe in the comments right now. Just type the words believe. If you want to follow Jesus right here, right now, you're tired of putting it off, you want to follow him now, you want to leave that life behind and, and, and embrace this new life that he's offering to you, just type believe. And we'll, send, we'll, we'll share a link up there we'll, of how you can connect with us. We want to, to follow up with you. We want to help you in those first steps of walking with Jesus. He died for you. He died for me. He died because he loved us to save us from destruction. We're going to see very soon that he died for Saul, this, this, this wicked, violent man, and changed his life in an unbelievably dramatic way. And he can do that for you this morning. What do you bring with you everywhere you go? You could bring the gospel with you. Think about this for a second. So right now, the sanctuary, we've got, we've got a couple people. We've got Dennis and Nancy are my crowd right now and the tech team up in the booth. Um, but if we filled this sanctuary, non-COVID, we just packed this thing out every week and Pastor Scott preached the gospel to people who, this was filled with people who have never heard the gospel. Praise God. And that is, would have a huge impact on our city. But it would just have a fraction of the impact of all the people that each one of us sees every week who needs to hear the gospel. Gospel movements won't start with sermons from evangelistic preachers. Gospel movements start when everyday believers like you and I share the gospel in our everyday life. Pastor Dennis talked about who's your one? Who's your one? Who is that one person that you're praying for? Pray for boldness even this week, even today that you're watching this to share with that person that you can bring the gospel to them. Who are you praying for in your neighborhood? Who are you praying for in your workplace? Who are you praying for in your school, on your campus? Who are you praying for in your family? The places that you go this week are different than the places I will go. You've got a different rhythm of life than I have. And how glorious would it be if when you went out and when I went out, we both brought the gospel with us and looked for opportunities to share with people. I, I, I confess there's so many times when I'm just busy or I'm afraid to start the conversation and God, I just, I, I need to be forgiven for those times and I need, I need to have those eyes open to where I, I see people As, as, as people created in the image of God who are loved very dearly and who need the gospel that has saved and radically transformed my life. And as I'm reading this passage, I pray that I could line up with verse 4, those who are scattered went everywhere preaching the word. I pray that that's more like me, and I hope you pray that's more you. The Holy Spirit has already given you the power to share. You're not doing this by yourself.
You're not doing this out of your own power. The Holy Spirit has already emboldened you to do this. What we see here with Philip is is, is a spirit-filled believer. We all need that. The need is great, yes, but what is even greater than the need is the spirit that lives in each and every one of us who gives us the power to share the gospel. You can do this. You can take the gospel with you everywhere you go. If you want to know how you can do that in, 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 through church planning, we're going to have a lunch pad interest meeting on the 19th of August at 6.30, um, barring anything. Look for information about that, but that's a way that you can do that. Hopefully you're doing that here, but maybe you can do that in another city on a church plant team. We're getting ready to start some discipleship in that um, in September, and I would encourage you to come to that. So what do you bring everywhere you go? You can bring joy. To bring joy to Melbourne, to Palm Bay, to Beachside, to Ogali, to Vieira, to bring joy to Indiana, to Puerto Rico, to wherever you're at. To bring joy to the city means being in the city. Now I know it's a weird time right now and there's so many places we can't go. But when we do have to go, when we are out places, in the future, hopefully when we're more back to normal. We need to be active in our community. We need to have the mind of, of a church planner everywhere that we go. We need to be, be regular places. We need, to, we need to be engaged in community events. We need, to, we, we need to volunteer to be parts of boards and, and, and leadership in our city just to try to influence. I know when the idea of doing some of those things is <laughs> maybe your eyes are rolling right now, but we need to engage in, in those things with the city. We need to be regulars. We need to visit the same places. We need to, 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 to even the same cashiers at the grocery store or restaurants or takeout or if you're getting your hair cut, which I'm clearly not, but if you're doing that, uh, some, of those, some of those places, go, go see the same people. And we also need to see the needs in our city. Everywhere we go, we need to bring the gospel with us. But what are areas in our city that need the gospel the most? Where are the areas in Melbourne and Palm Bay and Ogali and Beachside, everywhere? Where are those areas where the city is broken the most? When you look, you just can see it's not right. That's where we need to be. That's, those are the people, those are the institutions, those are are the places where we need to bring joy. And we can bring joy when we're filled with the Spirit. Christians who are scattered need to bring the gospel. Christians who are scattered need to bring joy. And church, I want to challenge you, let's bring joy to our city. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this account that we have in Acts that is so challenging so convicting, but God, filled with such hope of knowing that the agent of destruction and devastation of the church was redeemed and became the greatest missionary of all time. I pray for those watching who are struggling. God, give them peace. Help them to turn from their sin and follow you. God, I pray right now for the Christian watching who needs to be bold, who needs to remember before they they walk out of their house to take the gospel with them to be an agent of joy. God, I pray that you would embolden all of us, this whole church with your spirit, so that we can bring joy to this city and it would be radically transformed, especially in a time like this. 
We trust that you can do that through us. We just pray that you would use us. We just thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you today, Aaron, for sharing with us such a powerful message and challenge. And we pray that we'll see God do that exact same, that our city, our nation, our world be so drastically different. Uh, this morning, before we go, I want to share just a few things with you. Uh, one is called the 14 Days of Prayer. You should have received a letter and a card in the mail this week. Uh, we were going to have these cards in all the chairs uh, this morning for you. But this is an opportunity for the next two weeks, beginning this Monday. It says, we are calling our church family to 14 special days of prayer from August the 3rd through the 16th. Between this COVID pandemic, the months of isolation, the economic uncertainty, and the strife and tension across our nation, if ever there was a time to pray fervently, now is that time. So this is a guide for us as a church family. On the back of the card, it lists uh, for each of the next 14 days a uh, topic and a scripture. So you can do this personally or with your family. But we're encouraging you to take, take this card and each and every day go before the Lord in prayer. Now, the next two Wednesday nights, we're going to have an online prayer service from 6.30 p.m. So August the 5th and the 12th, we have an opportunity to go online and we can still pray together. Uh, and we pray that we'll plead for our nation, for our city, uh, for those who need to know Christ. It's about praying for marriages, for reconciliation, uh, for so many things. So please take this opportunity uh, to make a note. Find your card or go online to get the information, and let's pray fervently during these next 14 days. You know, there was a challenge for 14 days of isolation. Uh, now this is called a prayer team, uh, a time for us to pray together, to get along with God, to seek His face, and to see what He will do in our city. Well, obviously, this morning we cannot give as we go out the doors, uh, but we can still give online. And so you can go to our website and see how to give as an act of worship today. Also, again, just a word of thanks for our guests. Thank you for joining with us today. Uh, you can connect with us online. We'd love to have you do that. Uh, God bless you. Be safe and have a great week.